0: let's move beyond your comfort zone and into your genius zone, because it's time to tap into the higher wisdom within you, your higher genius. I'm your host, Christy Turley, author of the book, The Intuition-Led Business, serial entrepreneur, and intuitive intelligence expert. Imagine the possibilities when you can make better decisions and create practical and sustainable solutions using the power of your intuition, your higher genius. This is the Higher Genius Podcast. Joanna Lynn is joining me. Joanna is the founder of the Family Imprint Institute, and she has an international private practice. She is committed to resolving painful patterns for, from living out in the next generation as a on repeat. And what I love about her is she has this scientific approach to what she does um, in the healing world, and uh, I can't wait to dive into our conversation. All right. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome, Joanna.
1: Great Good to be to have here. here.
0: Great to be with you. Cool. So today we're talking about the three invisible forces affecting your business and relationships. And I love that because I do believe, and we talk about it a lot here on the podcast, you know, the things that are holding us back are the things we can't see. It's that inner game. It's that mindset. And so we have some interesting things to talk about today, don't we?
1: We do. We're going to go far beyond the mindset conversation.
0: Cool. So tell me a little bit about how you got started just to give a little bit of background.
1: Absolutely. So about 20 years ago, I started working with bodies. I was a massage therapist and understanding, huh, you know, that, that crick in your neck, that sore lower back, that has a lot more to do with the job you want to leave, but aren't quite finding the courage to do it or the marriage you're unhappy with, but sort of stick around and try to find the way through. And that kind of led me into mind body understanding where I found this body of work, all about epigenetics and neuroscience. I know we'll get into that. Um, But it was just sort of this one thing leads to another. And I'm sure many of your listeners can relate. They've probably followed a similar track. Totally.
0: Yeah. I remember when I first learned about the mind-body connection. And yeah, I had gone to massage therapists and naturopaths and things like that, but I never quite got it until I read the book uh Heal Your Body by Louise Hay and oh, yeah. Um Feelings Buried Alive Never Die. Forget that's one of my
1: favorites. Do you, yeah, Do you remember who wrote
0: that? I can't remember. Oh gosh. No, it's I can't recall. It's like the only book called that. So if someone wants to Google it. But um yeah, it, it's it's hugely important to understand and yeah. also listening to your body for the for those indicators. You know, yes. like all of a sudden you get a stiff neck and you're like, What's that about? You look it up, and it's like, um, you know, there's like seven possibilities that could be mental or emotional, and it like gives you a huge insight.
1: Um, Absolutely, it's almost like every time I've looked that up, one two of those things are like, oh yes, this is exactly what's going on. Mm -hmm.
0: And so, yeah, let's let's talk a little bit about epigenetics because this is Mm -hmm. not some like fringe like belief system, like this is rooted in science, they're finding, so so tell us a little bit about that.
1: Oh, absolutely, Um, epigenetics is a field of study that really understands family experiences, what's unresolved for our parents and our grandparents, even things as significant as trauma has its effects on us, literally changing our DNA, Um, I call it the family imprint, and so much of what's running us has to do with this epigenetic piece.
0: So what do you mean by what's running us?
1: Ah, so what might be our knee-jerk reaction to, um, you know, the triggers life throws at us? What we might want to respond to our spouse when we're feeling like, you know, cuts a little too close to the nerve? Um, how we How we parent and the decisions we make in our business day in and day out. It's kind of like that
0: automatic, um, whatever that automatic voice is in your head that <laughs> is probably narrating every situation, or like when you just, ha- yeah, like you said, knee, j- knee jerk trigger, um, yeah. that you might get um, when something happens. Cool. So, what do we do about this? Like the you you talk about a lot the epigenetic imprint. Yeah. So, and the the ancestry and the grandparents. Tell us a little bit more about that.
1: Yeah. So when we look at it from a sort of professional perspective, sometimes our relationship with money can come into that, our own confidence, um, the risks we're willing to take, all of that comes from this blueprint in our family. And so one step is really understanding, building our awareness. So that might look like, oh, geez, you know, my mom and dad were super risk adverse. And so does that change the risks I'm willing to take? Or do I kind of lose my ground every time I take a big risk? Um, we're just beginning to understand the roots of what informs our decisions um, and how that is really kind of guiding all of our thinking. Yeah. yeah.
0: So do you have a good example of, of something that um, maybe happened with one of your clients that, that demonstrates exactly how this plays out?
1: Yeah, absolutely. There was one significant one. It was uh, such an interesting case that it stands right out as you ask that question. Um, This gentleman was 43 years or is 43 years old at the time of a real financial crisis in his business. He's a lawyer. He had built a huge practice. But he found, as he looked back, hindsight is always clearer, that last year of business, he'd made a series of sort of Bad bad calls, bad decisions, bad investments. And he was looking, kind of teetering on this decision of do I claim bankruptcy? And there was so much shame, so much frustration, all kind of wrapped up in what had built up over that year. So he was coming to me to really explore what, what could he do here? Because of course, this is affecting his marriage, how he's showing up as a father, kind of all parts of his life were affected so my work is about uncovering what I call a two-generation geneagram so I look at the client what they're up against their challenges and then looking at what went on with mom and dad and then the four sets of grandparents at the top so we understand the influences Wouldn't you know it, this gentleman's father at the same age, 43, he had trouble with gambling and sadly had lost all of the family's money on gambling. And at this time, um, he had an estrangement from his father. The father was kind of the, the bad one in the family, pushed out, and he really hadn't spoken to his dad since that time. So when we begin to look at this, you could kind of see the lights going on for him as he was connecting these dots. In our work, we call this an ancestral alarm clock. You would be surprised how many times um, things happen around the same age. You know, our parents, they got divorced at 52 and we are in our early 50s and just don't know why we're not connecting with our spouse anymore. We see these things that rise up around the same time. So back to this lawyer, he was able to really understand, wow, I was following something larger than myself. It started off this kind of pitfall, this kind of cascade of bad decisions so that in an unconscious loyalty, I remained equal to the father that I've always judged and excluded. And so the real work is actually coming to understand what was behind his dad's addiction to gambling, some of those bad financial decisions, and even separating or creating an inner relationship with him and his dad because they hadn't spoken in so many years. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's amazing. So, okay, let me just dive into this a little bit. Mm So... (laughs) Some people listening to this might have a problem with what you just (laughs) said. Like, what do you mean? Like I have this imprint and that's like a destiny and I don't really create my own destiny. Talk a little bit about that.
1: Absolutely. So I believe I'm definitely a a student of creating our own destiny and and really, um, you know, I'm responsible for my thoughts. And of course, all the good things that we can do, you know, eating well, exercising, fueling the body, moving towards our goals. And equal to that, there is this Um, blueprint this imprint that comes from our family of origin and it seems that we only really uncover it when we've hit a wall similar to that lawyer story typically we don't go looking back into you know our family history unless we're trying to solve something that's really painful that's really got us on the edge and so there is certainly well science supports we are imprinted with things that happened to our family So when we look at really intense studies, uh, descendants of the Holocaust, we know that the children of uh, Holocaust survivors have the same stress markers in their body as if they lived through the Holocaust. And so now we take that into our everyday experience to, you know, did dad succeed and do well in what he wanted to do in his, in his life? Did mom give up the things she really wanted in order to be there for the family? And then what kind of compromises are inside of us when we feel pulled in all the directions we do? So these are the type of ways that it influences and shapes our lives.
0: So how would one, and, and maybe we need to talk about this later, feel free mm. to postpone this question till later, but sure. how how would one work through this? Like, what did you mm. do with the lawyer? How did, I mean, was it yeah. like as simple as make having the awareness?
1: That yeah, let's break on? that down. So the first step is the awareness. So I'm gathering the facts of the family, which kind of connects those dots for him. But yeah, I wish everybody listening could have been in the room. You should have seen the almost a relief kind of wash over his face in this sense of, wow, this wasn't just a mistake that I made. This connects to a larger picture. And he's sort of leaning into me like, really? If we have this um, internal conversation, you know, I'm guiding him to have an internal conversation with his father. So A lot of this, if anybody has a therapy background, has a little bit of Gestalt uh, influence with it, where I'll have him imagine his dad is sitting with us in the room, you know, close your eyes. What happens in your body as you feel your dad join us here? Oh, I feel tense, I feel tight, I feel constricted. Perfectly understandable. There's been years since they've had a conversation. And then I'll give him sentences to try on saying to his dad. So a lot of them sounded like, I've been judging you all this time, dad. And here I am at the same age that you lost all of our money. And I've placed my family in the same situation I felt you placed us in. So there's a humbling that happens right away. There's a greater understanding. There's a softening. Because what we know in this work, it's been around over 50 years that, there's an organization to how the family works. And if we exclude one of the family members, what we judge them for, what gets all tangled up in that is bound to repeat in the next generation.
0: Yeah. So cool. Very, mm-hmm. very cool. So, so this was his father. Is that correct? The yes. lawyer's father. Yeah. How far back do you look when it goes mm. to the, the generational healing you
1: know, I only ever have, have to look two generations back. Mm. We get all the information we need there. Now, there's all kinds of, you know, theories that it can go back seven generations and, and even further back from there. But I got to tell you, I'm fairly science-based. And when we follow epigenetics, the proof is two generations back. So I kind of stay within that range. Hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so how... so? How in your work, like just from our previous conversations, you've talked about how the quality of the relationship with the father and the quality of the relationship with the mother impacts things And, and the differences between those two
1: relationships. Can you talk a little bit about that? Oh yeah it surprises so many people that the quality of our relationship with our parents have so much to do with what we call success in life and i i know that means different things to different people but i like to think about it if we can imagine almost two barn doors you know one is dad and one is mom and if that relationship where we literally got our body our life from is closed off then we kind of thwart our life force So let's say this lawyer, this this door to dad is completely closed. And now he's really only got access to 50% of his life force, of his ability to really achieve success if his relationship with his mom is completely perfect. And I don't know anybody that that's the case. So this whole concept of where we receive our life from generates how things go out there in life for us. Now, if I'm even more concrete, even more specific, when we think about what is everything to a baby, and I know you're a mom too, mm-hmm. um, this whole idea that, you know, loving our children, eye to eye connection, rocking them to sleep, all of that attunement and attachment, that really builds the neural pathways of our brain for I belong, I matter, I'm loved. And for many people, things maybe got a little lost in translation from that very beginning. Mm -hmm. Or it was more logistical than that. Mom had to go right back to work. Uh, Mom and dad were running a business and they were super busy. And so even if loving grandparents step in or the world's best nanny, it's still not the roots of what we need from mom and dad. And so that feeling of I didn't get enough of what I needed. That child sort of feeling lives out in, you know, not enough time, not enough energy, not enough clients, not enough money. And instead of chasing the not enough out there, if we really work at the root cause of it, everything changes within our professional results. Wow, I don't know who said
0: it, but I, I it might have been Tony Robbins or someone like that. Mm. You know that everyone on planet Earth has one thing in common and that's this open wound of not being enough. Right. So if, you know, if you're a parent, like, like I am listening to this and I'm thinking, Oh, you do my children or or whatever. (laughs) It's like pretty normal. Right. Of
1: course. I mean, I'm a working mom, you know, I'm about to leave and travel and go teach. And, you know, it's, it's this, this awareness that there will always be separations. We will always need, you know, family helpers to come in and do this whole thing called raising children. What matters most is how we reconnect that attachment. Oh, I missed you so much. I'm so glad to be back with you. And really setting time in our calendar apart for the importance of that connection. So,
0: is this work that we do on ourselves, you know, healing that, that, uh, maybe that, that initial birth or, you know, the first few years of life, is that like what most people call inner
1: child work? Is that the same thing? Uh, no. So, this work, our term for it is break in the bond. And it's probably one of the most overlooked things and all of you know when people reach out for support because it happened before language came online you know we can't go to a therapist and say geez i spent the first week of my life in an incubator therefore i don't really trust my husband's love you know we don't we don't make those connections Mm -hmm. and yet if we think about that newborn baby what is everything to that sweet little baby connection with mom breathing in her smell hearing her voice and so something as you know, medically understandable as time in an incubator, maybe we were born premature or, as I say, mom had to go right back to work, it creates a change in how the, bo- the baby develops. And so a very interesting uh, little clip on YouTube your listeners might want to look up is called the still face experiment. Hmm. It's one of the most popular experiments ever done, really understanding when mom's face just kind of goes like a blank, what happens to the baby? She's physically there, but emotionally not reachable. And this changes our own inner sense of confidence, our ability to go for certain things when mom is disconnected regularly. And so, yes, this can all be re-knit. This is not something that's a a life sentence. It's mm-hmm. just the awareness to go back and really work with our foundation before we can build that, that dream. Great. I will put that link in the show notes. That would be super interesting. For, it um, is. For I think you'll at. find it interesting. So
0: the the we've talked a lot about the mother what about the father
1: yeah so in this work we say the mother is the one who builds the life who who brings life into being of course through birth and now the father's role is to really bring the child into life so from dad we get this concept of direction like what's the right choice for me what's the right path Uh, and sometimes that can be through modeling And sometimes that can be through, you know, whatever, whatever I choose, I know my dad's behind me. You know, if the floor were to just fall out of my life, he'd be the one I could call and count on. And then this really supports our direction and confidence to know where we want to head in life.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. So the father and the mother, um, Mm -hmm. how might that play out in adult life? Say you're in your 20s, 30s, or 40s or older, Um, like how does that manifest?
1: So I think in this work, there's something called this, the orders of love Mm -hmm. and whether we're four or 44, Mm -hmm. the, the rule still applies that parents give and children receive. And so even if we're, you know, a multimillionaire, you know, entrepreneur, there might be this feeling of, well, what could they offer me? you know, they're not in my industry, they're not going to have the advice. But it's really our way of approaching them, our way of, can I show up in this conversation as the daughter, you know, I take off the business hat, and I arrive really as the daughter, with this open heartedness of what can I receive. And maybe it's a compliment. And maybe it's just the connection, you know, over dinner. But really having that, that way of entering into the relationship really feeling as though you're the daughter or you're the son.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So um the grandparents. We talked yeah. about two generations back and so far mm-hmm. we've only like, well uh, yeah, we've really only talked about the parents, right? Yeah, Even with the right. lawyer examples. So yeah. So any examples
1: or just thoughts that you want to share on the grandparents. Absolutely. So the reason grandparents come in to every session that I do is because typically we'll have a complaint of either mom or dad. So let's just say um, dad is super critical or dad's really authoritarian and there hasn't been much room to make your own decisions as a child. And the client feels really stuck, really angry, really closed heart to dad. Now, there's not a lot of movement we can have to improve the person's life if half of that door is just, you know, completely shut. And so we want to get a bigger picture. So what went on for dad to have him be so critical or so controlling? Oh, wow. We look back, grandpa was super quick to anger you know grandpa lost a sibling let's say and was blamed for not watching the sibling while he was playing grandpa's the older sibling and so now he he controls to keep everything safe to keep everything you know out of harm's way and so if we start to look at the why of what's behind certain things we've blamed our parents for something else can open up outside of that patterned way outside of maybe that dance that we get stuck in with them so that we can open up to more of our own life force, more of our own direction and choice. The the benefits on the other side of that are just so profound. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Well, okay, so
0: when someone comes to see you or Mm -hmm. if they're interested in doing this work, Do they really have to have a knowledge of, Mm. like, say, a medical history? It's kind of like the emotional trauma history, I I guess you would say,
1: of their grandparents and their parents. You know, that is such an important question. Often, uh, people that have been adopted will call me. And this is one of the greatest breaks in the bonds. They you know, were given away at birth, or they spent some time in foster care. And typically, they have a really hard time um, finding their direction in life, uh, feeling loved and safe in relationship. And of course, they don't have any family history. And so what I'll do there is reverse engineer. So I'll look at what are some of these patterns that just keep happening? In any relationship that you're in, what is that common thing that you end up feeling? And then we can work backwards. So even in um, families that are not adopted, but let's say there's lots of family secrets or there's lots of unknown in the family history, we can still gain results with this approach. Wow.
0: Okay,
1: cool. Mm -hmm. The reason why I guess I should expand is I use something called the core language approach. And it's incredible what we reveal in how we describe the challenges that we're up against. And typically within about the first uh, five to 10 minutes, I'll know exactly what sort of the the root stuff in the family is going on based on how you've described what you're up against. Wow. Okay. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, cool. What else should I be asking you? This is so fascinating. I mean, the relationship with the mom, you know, affecting the yeah. relationship with the self and the level of confidence, and um, yeah. the dad affecting direction and what's right and clarity. And mm-hmm. um, you know, I guess if you're feeling wishy-washy in life, maybe it's something to look like look at, right, with the dad, yeah. um, or maybe the dad's parents even. And That's then. Right. Um, you know, you, you work internationally. So, I mean, it really seems like you're a Nancy Drew of family history. I mean, there's a show about ancestry, right. And genealogy and they get the celebrities involved and they look to see where they come from and they go back centuries and find out they're related to famous people or whatever. It's such a great show. You're, you're only going two generations back and you're looking at, um, like the, the challenges or the traumas that these people have gone through. And I imagine that, like you were saying before with the lawyer, I mean, that Mm -hmm. was such a great example of, you know, a guy who probably cut out his dad in some ways out of his life, really actually coming to terms and saying, I'm you, you're me. And healing himself and healing that relationship with his father, like it sounded like, unfortunately the father had passed away already, but yeah, um, it, it sounds like, you know, you were, you were still able to, to heal that. And, you know, I definitely have the belief that the father knows what, what went on, you know, with that session yes. and all that. So that's really cool. So, I mean, tell us a little bit more. I mean, mm-hmm. I think families are so central To society. It's the fundamental unit of society. So if we can heal our families, we can really heal the world and our communities and our counties, and our states, and our
1: government, and the world. right? I couldn't agree more. And it's so fascinating to see where this body of work is going. So I'm just heading down to California next week to to offer a training. And one of my colleagues is joining. She's a trauma-informed lawyer. So really bringing this work into law around being conscientious around when someone has experienced a trauma, how do we ask these types of questions based on all of this intergenerational element to bring in the full picture. Um, Another person that I've heard of was actually a judge in Brazil. And I didn't know this, but there was a two to three year wait list for people who would like to get divorced. And so this judge had just taken this training on his own interest, but thought, geez, you know, there's such a waiting list. Why don't I try out what I've been learning? And so when he would have both couples that wanted to divorce come into his office, would apply this with this approach, there was 100% resolution. There wasn't the fight over who gets what and the custody. It was just understood and they came to a resolution. And now we all know couples where there's only going to be one side that comes in. There's no way they're going to work together. And so he tested that. He just worked with, you know, half of the couple and they got to 91% resolution. So there's something about bringing in the full story, really understanding what's at play, Mm -hmm. because I got to tell you, systems marry systems. And what goes on in any marriage, 90% of it has to do with each other's family of origin. And mm-hmm. so I was just so thrilled to hear this being applied, you know, in, in law, we're seeing it come through in education formats. It, it's, it's catching on and it's just taking a little bit of its time. That is huge. I mean, mm-hmm. when you consider the divorce rates. Yeah. And
0: last I heard it was like 50% or something
1: that's, but it. I bet
0: you it's even more now. Yeah. And probably in f- fewer years, you know, I don't know what it was like within X number of years, it's probably fewer years now. I remember when a neighbor came up to me and said, Oh, you're celebrating 10 years. Yeah. I don't have a lot of friends that have made it past five. And now we're at wow. 17, you wow. know, but like it's amazing. You know, it is. this it is. really has a lot of power to it. So, um, I want to go back to the adoption. This kind of mm-hmm. is curious to me. So, um, if if someone doesn't have parents or grandparents that they can go ask, mm-hmm. you know, hey, did you have something happen to you when you're ex, or something in this topic, or, or maybe you're not even having people ask those questions. But how how would someone who's adopted who or who has no idea where they came from? Mm -hmm. because the family didn't take good records or whatever, or
1: maybe their parents are gone. Yeah. How would you dive into this? So what I'm asking about then, instead of gathering the two-generation geneogram are the patterns they keep falling into, whether that be thought patterns, whether it be relationship patterns, whether it might be business failures or you know a confidence crisis, and then beginning to work with that. So we're dealing more from the repetitive pattern place, trusting that that's got its roots in the family of origin. What I found in my adoption cases, I don't know how to explain this, but the biological family can often mirror the adoptive family. So, we might hear through records, uh, yeah, you know, uh, your mother struggled with a drug addiction, your father had alcoholism. We'll see something like that play out in the adoptive family. That's strange. It's very, very interesting. And so, we're following this piece of, well, first of all, when I work with adoptive clients, we work with that break in the bond piece. So, that's very much body centered. What I love about this approach is it brings the body along. It's not just about a new cognitive understanding we've got to bring the body along with us because if that sort of bracing against um, you're gonna leave me or I don't matter all of those sort of break in the bond messages we can't really get much further with with the understanding that we're gonna have for what we'll work on deeper into the sessions that's kind of square one
0: mm. okay that's very very cool so mm-hmm. Um, you know, if someone wanted to learn more about, um, this, you know, and, and maybe they're not quite ready to hire you yet. I mean, y- you can give your website out. That's fine. And we'll put that in the show notes, but like, For sure. how would, how would someone, learn more about epigenetics? Like are there books out there? Or oh, is yeah. there another YouTube video? Like what other resources can you give people? I'm sure the best clients for you are the ones that are the most knowledgeable or they've done their
1: homework and they kind of oh, know not what not necessarily. Yeah? Um, just open-minded people. Yeah. And then the, the, the questions that I ask are very direct, very family fact orientated. We don't uh-huh. go into the story of it. And we can get tons done. Yeah. So a book I would recommend was written by my most influential teacher. His name is Mark Willen, and it's called It Didn't Start With You. And what I love about it is it gets into all the cool epigenetics and the studies, but he also gives lots of case studies, you know, client stories of how it's applied. And that's just so fascinating to me, along with a whole bunch of exercises you can do for yourself at home to really kind of dig into this for your own, for your own knowledge. hmm
0: Um, cool. And what are, I mean, so I'm just trying to think like someone listening to this, like, they're like, Oh, this is interesting. I never heard of epigenetics before. Maybe they have, but, um, are there certain like, um, symptoms that Mm -hmm. someone will see manifesting in their life where it, you know, or some questions that they can ask themselves to say, Hmm, is, this, is, is is there something like that, like a sign, you know? Yeah, there are yes.
1: many. Mm-hmm. So I just had uh, this lovely client come in yesterday, and there's all this really upsetting behavior from his five-year-old son. And, you know, what should we do? What kind of discipline should we give? And, you know, all these kind of questions. And really, I said to him, what is unresolved in us, you know, mom and dad, is expressed by the children. So really we've got to take the child's behavior as clues to understand what's unresolved either for mom or for dad or in between the marriage. And so we look at them as like a a guidepost to understand what's really going on. Um, Another clue might be, geez, you know, I'm in my third or fourth relationship, but I still end up feeling the same. It's still unsatisfying or there's still these triggers that just feel all too familiar. Um, maybe we reach a certain ceiling in our own performance or our own earning capacity, but we can't seem to get above that. Uh, that edge, riding that edge can be something that is part of that um, ancestral alarm clock or an unconscious loyalty that lives in the family. Um, anytime there's patterns that we just can't seem to get ourselves out of, usually the roots of that live in our family system. Wow. Wow. That's
0: incredible. And what you said about children, it's like, that makes you think twice about disciplining your children in some ways. Cause it's like, on Absolutely. one hand, it's like, yeah, go to timeout or whatever your chosen method is. But like, on the other hand, it's like, Hmm, what's unresolved
1: in me or yeah, the my wise, husband, my Totally. Yeah. The wisest move is to take that misbehavior as information. And to begin to really get an understanding, I I always said to think of, you know, my son and, and the challenges that any child is up against to how do I best support him? And and how did I feel at his age? And what went on for his dad at this age? And it's always just this wealth of information that is never down the road of discipline.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Gosh, that seems like a good daily practice to go through yeah. and like yeah. really reflect, you know? Like who, who was I triggered by or, you know, where am I at in general in life? Or yeah, what was, what was it about the children's
1: misbehaviors today? You know, that's, that's it. Well, and even as you say that, I think of a client who was so overwhelmed by what she called my super needy daughter. It's like, I can give and give and give to her and there's just more needs. And she would think, gosh, you know, she can't ever sleep on her own. And she calls me into her room and then it occurred to her, wow, my daughter is asking for expressing out what I never got. And it's still like a you know an open wound here mm-hmm. that, that her mom was very non-affectionate, very non-emotional, and now she's got this, you know, needy little girl, and no wonder it feels like nails on the chalkboard because it's calling out to her what had never really been resolved. And so sometimes we can reparent ourselves in the patience and the compassion that we can give to our own kiddos when when their stuff comes up, because when we follow epigenetics, it's actually our stuff or, or our spouses. Yeah.
0: Okay. So talk to me about spouses for a little bit. I mean, we've talked about kids. We've talked about yeah. parents and grandparents. Talk to
1: me about spouses. Well, here's something that may shock your listeners. It certainly was a big one for me to uh, hear and apply in my own life. Our partners show up exactly as we need them to to show us what's still a live wire in our body. So if you've got a common complaint that uh, my husband's always traveling, you know his work comes first, or I'm not important, or he doesn't set, side, set, set time aside for connection, often we look back and we've got a dad who was a workaholic or a mom who had to juggle two jobs because she was a single mom. So the things that we felt we didn't get enough of as a child can be projected into our marriage. And so a lot of the times, it's actually not a relationship issue. It's going back to the origin from where it all started and finding resolution there. It's just getting played out again inside our marriages. Wow. We really are the stars of our own movie. (laughs) Yes, we are. Yes.
0: Mm. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of information to take in, right? About yeah. what's manifesting in our outer world is really about healing our inner world, right?
1: That's it. I really believe that's such a good way to say that, that what's happening out here is a direct reflection to sort of that that inner harmony. And is it harmonious or is it a little bit more chaotic than we'd like it to be? And therefore it gets reflected out in our world.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So cool. Mm. Well, good. Well, how can people get more information about what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, well, I created a gift for your listeners because I imagine they're all super busy women like you and I are. And Uh, men too. Men too, yes. (laughs) Um, I'm sure they would like the audio too. It's called Be Good to Yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's just quick. It's maybe 15 minutes, really guidance to go inward and explore some of the emotions that want to rise up. But in the busyness of our everyday lives, sometimes we can't give it the attention that it needs. And so, you know, they can certainly listen to that audio, get a sense of that. Um, and to learn more about this work and the different options, you can visit my website at www.joanalin.ca. Great.
0: And I'll I'll put those links as well as the link to the gift in the show notes. So great. People can check that out. That's great. So um let's leave everybody with a, a a last a final thought. Um what what inspiration can you leave with us today? Either a story or a quote or
1: hmm, let's think. What's a good inspiration? Well I think All of these pieces, all of the parts of our lives will continue on generation after generation until somebody says, you know what, Mm, this stops with me. And so my invitation to your listeners would be to look at what patterns do you want to be free of? Maybe what hurts would you want to even safeguard your kids from? And to begin to look at how that kind of lives and rests in your body. I hope
0: you loved today's episode. And if you did, please subscribe and leave a like, comment, and or review. Every interaction, whether on YouTube or your favorite podcast platform, helps this podcast to reach more people like you. Thank you for tuning in to the Higher Genius Podcast.